Hello, welcome to another episode of Share a Slice with Sean. You may be hearing some traffic here, some wind, and that's just because I am on my way to a friend's house right now. Um, it's been a while actually since the last episode was out and I've been through a fair bit. So um, nothing really particularly bad, just a lot of just a whole lot of life and I came very close to shutting the entire podcast down. Um, I'm still considering um, pulling down the podcast part and leaving the YouTube part in and maybe turning the channel into a, a full-on YouTube channel. Um, <clears throat> this actually recording outside is sort of part of a new approach that I'm taking to the show. Uh, a little more gonzo, a little more ad hoc, and that's just because in the past I found that it is so hard for me to schedule in not only the, the interviews with guests, but also the time to do all the voiceovers and the conversations and oftentimes I would be struggling to get an hour in and then I live in a very small house just having to whisper and cower in the living room so this is part of the um, my reaction to that so the intro and the outro audio is it might not be so fantastic and, and that's another part of this is just getting to a point where I'm not as paranoid about sound quality and getting to a point where I'm just, you know, not obsessing over every little detail because it's paralyzing and it was actually paralyzing my ability to get anything out at all. So that's part of the, um, I mean, it'll make things seem a little more raw, maybe a little more, you know, rough around the edges, but the actual interview itself is going to remain very, As I mean, the sound quality there is going to be as it always is. Um, so yeah, that's part of it. That's actually a big part of it. And uh, this particular episode was recorded ages ago, and I'm finally going to get it out now. It's Claire Gallant returning to the show, and she's going to be talking about cryptocurrency and you know it's a big open question for me it's been that way for a while what is money you know who knows what money is uh, it's it's more than you would think it um, it's actually rather elusive and well just to, to spoiler alert uh, money really is it really puts us all in our place, let's put it that way, between the people who make the money and the people who use the money. These are two different classes. So we're going to get into that. And moving forward, um, I'm probably going to um, seriously consider shutting down the podcast part of this show and switching over to YouTube completely. But that also means probably video as well. Uh, if you'd like to keep the Patreon part of the show running, 
Um, may I suggest, sorry, if you'd like to keep the show running rather, got a, got a plane going on up there. I wonder if you can hear that. If you want to keep the show running completely, um, may I suggest going to patreon.com and uh, trying to support the program there. Um, even if I get a few dollars, it'll help keep the podcast part of the show running. Otherwise, as I said, we're going to have to go to a YouTube-only format. Anyway, I've blabbed on for long enough. Um, let's go ahead with the interview with Claire Gallant. Today, we're going to be talking all about something that, um, to be honest, I really I hear about, people talk about it. People mm-hmm. get super excited about Bitcoin and about cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. And, like a lot of people are really passionate about it, but I have a really hard time understanding exactly what cryptocurrency is and what Bitcoin is. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show to maybe mm-hmm. talk a little bit about what that is. Um, so, so welcome today. Yeah, no thanks. It's fun to be back on. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so Claire, um, can you tell me exactly what is what is Bitcoin? We'll start with that. We'll see how far yeah, we for get sure. with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I bet that you know more about it than you think. So, um, and I'll be I'll be curious to to hear kind of what your thoughts are on it as well. So, um, but um, but yeah, basically, uh, Bitcoin was started in two thousand nine, um, by uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, and uh, they, you know, is still still an unknown entity. We don't really know if it's one person, if it's a collective of people. Uh, there's a couple of interesting documentaries with some of that in there right now <laughs> out there. Um, but uh, yeah, basically, Bitcoin is a digital ledger um, that keeps track of transactions um, in a decentralized way. So uh, the hard computing, um, I mean, the soft computing too, like this, the software isn't just located in one spot. So in the same way that we can do transactions on our credit cards or, you know, electronically online, uh, that stuff happens electronically as well. But a big difference um, amongst others is that uh, transactions on, uh, you know, the Bitcoin uh, network, if you will, um, they don't have to be uh, centralized in one spot. And they're kind of of the people. Um, of course, that's specific to whoever can run one, uh, which does isn't technically everyone. Um, so that's a, a good, uh, you know, hard truth to be looking at. Um, but it could theoretically be anyone. You don't have to be of a company. You don't have to be of a certain government. Uh, you don't need, you know, much certification at all. So just takes the uh, technical uh, know-how. Um, which isn't super huge, um, and, uh, and it's definitely learnable nowadays, and uh, just takes the actual hardware or access to it. So, so let's break that down first of yeah. all. So, <laughs> basically, we have these sort of mysterious folks who, yeah. back in 2009, I mean, yeah. it seems like not long ago at all. Yeah. Um, 
they made this electronic ledger and maybe we can start out with that is yeah. is the electronic ledger is that what this blockchain that i hear about all the time is that what basically, the ledger is sort of yeah basically so um the ledger is um so there's it's made into blocks um so the way that you um one block if it goes missing if it's kind of taken out of that chain and that's where that you know chain term comes from if it's taken out of its location in the chain then everyone will know um so everyone has a copy of this ledger. So everyone who's running it um, in Bitcoin anyway, um, there's other cryptocurrencies or other blockchains that work a little differently. Um, but essentially, it's meant to be uh, immutable. So if ever something changes in it, um, then people would know. Um, and that's what people call trustless as well. So... Uh, I'm going to break into one of my stories about computer yeah. science here. Bear yep. with me. Uh, so um, back when I was in computer science class, this was in the 90s. So before cryptocurrency, or at least before uh, Bitcoin, um, we had this class where we had to um, build network software, like simple network programs. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys in this class um we, he made a simple chat client, but rather than having each node of the, uh, the network just simply send the message back mm -hmm. and forth between the clients, he actually had this single token that each client would attach its message to and hmm. send it around the network. And at the time, back in the 90s, we thought he was nuts, right? We're like, what What the hell? That's crazy. Why don't you just send the, the packets, the actual message? Why Why do you send the whole thing? Mm -hmm. But the way I'm understanding the uh, the Bitcoin business, it sounds almost like if he were to encode his messages for the clients, if the clients were to encode their messages into this big token, Mm -hmm. and encrypt them in such a way that only their recipients know how to decrypt it. Would that be mm -hmm. sort of like Bitcoin? Would it be kind of like cryptocurrency? Yeah. Um, it, tokenization has an aspect of, like holds an aspect of what cryptocurrency is, for sure. Um, you can have tokenization without um, cryptocurrency or, you know, without Bitcoin. Um, but that, yeah, that's a big part of it because there's... Um, like running the algorithm to find a Bitcoin. <laughs> um, the, I, I feel like I feel like we're getting into like the the very specific sides of it, and I think it might be uh, good to get into like the wider questions of you know what is what is money yeah, before I think you're right. Bitcoin. Yeah, because yeah, there's well, there's a lot of stuff that um, I just started knowing when I started looking into crypto because it made me contrast my ideas and my knowledge about what money is in general. Um, and that's that's a both, big deal. Yeah, and that's that, that's both how I got interested in cryptocurrency and also some of like a lot of what I learned after I got interested in cryptocurrency. So what we're talking about here is now that we kind of have a really basic understanding of the, you know, of Bitcoin and, and you know, cryptocurrency, the question is, what are some of the social ramifications? And, and, you know, when you look at a parallel currency like Bitcoin, you start to think about 
how that compares with what we have now, uh, our, our sort of standard national currencies. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so one of the things that strikes me right away about this is that uh, with national currencies, um, you have a clear central bank or clear central authority that effectively just makes, I mean, these days it's not even really tied to any any sort of physical thing. It's just mm-hmm. some central bank or something just starts distributing monopoly money basically all over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, monopoly money, but that has an effect like there's, there are economic reasons in terms of the um, like ramifications and uh, you know the dynamics of it as to why we can't just print money um, you know off off our cuffs even though we technically could. Um, so there are two groups um, in Canada that can print money um, kind of from you know knowers um, and that's the uh, Bank of Canada so like Central Bank of Canada and then also uh, any, uh, certified or accredited um, large banks in Canada too. So uh, TD, Royal Bank, all those as well can can print money. Um, they've been under the Bank of Canada has always had this ability, um, and since the mid '80s to mid '90s, um, the larger banks in Canada have had this ability as well. Um, if they print too much, though, then it's likely to um, uh, get some uh, hyperinflation going on, and other countries um, have done that uh, irresponsibly, and you know had some f- severe financial financial crises. Um, so there's reasons in the economy why people don't do it. Um, but when people say, you know, oh, uh, Bitcoin is not linked to anything, um, it's actually more linked or more anchored. Um, than our Canadian national currency um, to 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 something because it's linked to an algorithm and it's finite. Yeah, I mean it's so you have Bitcoin. My understanding is it's linked to um, uh, large what large prime numbers. Do I have that right or some sort of like uh, I mean people when people say they're Bitcoin mining, they're they're not looking for uh, gold or or silver or anything. They're looking yeah. for a specific um, mathematical uh, what a number or something like that. A key. Yeah. Yeah. It's a number um, to a solution to an algorithm. Um, and yeah, th- those are uh, pr- prime numbers do have something to do with that. Um, the the keys in themselves, uh, keys are what's used to um, like uh, to have. You have an outside key, a public facing key, and you have an inside facing key, and that's kind of a, a different matter. But um, but yeah, you you are mining. You are salt. Like when you say mining, it's actually using uh, computational resources to figure out. Uh, an algorithm of which there's only uh, a, a you know finite or uh, as you keep on going through the algorithm it becomes harder and harder to solve over time um, yeah that's that's about it <laughs> so like you you so with bitcoin when you when you go bitcoin mining mm-hmm. uh, are you saying that there is some sort of like a uh, limited number of possible solutions to the algorithm and it's just a like is it actually 
proven that way? Like, is it like the same as a physical resource in that respect? Uh, be, so there isn't uh, a proven um, mathematical finite number, um, but given our current resources and you know computational power, um, we have limits as to um, the largest numbers that we can find. Um, and it get it does get harder and harder to find those given our uh, resources currently. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if you know given uh, let's say quantum computing or given just larger, uh, better computational abilities, if we could then extend that. Um, but it does become just harder and harder and harder as time goes on, uh, nearing zero. So it kind of you know plateaus. Uh, around uh, a certain time practically, um, but in mathematical truth, you you would always be able to find some. So it's interesting because standard um, standard uh, money gets printed by some central bank or something, and really the bank is deciding when it can print the money based on some I guess, assumption or some theory about how much in demand or what mm -hmm. the level of confidence is in the particular government for mm -hmm. being capable of paying or servicing um, that debt or whatever you want to call it, that outflow of, of money. Yeah. Uh, and you have this idea of indebtedness as well, where which I just thought about, started thinking about recently, where you have countries like let's say Greece, where they're part of the EU. So uh, if they they don't really own their currency, so if they need if they if their money runs low on value mm -hmm. and they need more money to service their debt, then they have to go and ask like Angela Merkel, for instance, basically, who then turns around and says, no, 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 I don't think so. I don't think you're going to get anything. Um, and that I mean, it in that respect, it's always been the case where uh, currency has been um, printed up by by leaders or kings or mm -hmm. emperors. It's just yeah. purely out of. Um, it's like uh, the uh, the Being leaders. At the top get, of those pyramids. Right, you're the one who makes the money because you're the guy on top. Usually, it's mm -hmm. the guy. Um, whereas with cryptocurrency, um, I mean, unless uh, governments get into the mining game, and it wouldn't surprise me if they did, then, um, I mean, anything goes, right? I mean, it, it's not based off of pure authority. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's, in my mind, it's uh, one of the few ways in which, um, you know, more access to information, more access uh, to technology across our populations have uh, given us more power. Um, so if we are able to create some of these things and that they're not, you know, resource heavy, um, that, it, you know, I don't have to buy the paper, buy the printers, uh, buy some metal, get some, you know, stampers out there, um, it, it becomes a whole different ballgame. And if there is not more of a cost for transacting it to someone who is standing next to me compared to someone who's at the other side of the country, let alone the world, that also changes the dynamics of uh, power when it comes to 
who gets to make and circulate money and who doesn't. So who is so I guess I guess who's administrating administering the the blockchain like who's in charge of the blockchain is that just I guess it's now public domain right it's like it's like like a large piece of DNA almost is that yeah fair? it's it's just kind of been let loose there's there's two uh, answers to that so there's the practical you know who's who um, and who's where answer to it so um, where you're looking at the mining for example um, and you you can figure out you know who is actually mining that um, is it mostly the small players is it a larger companies because there are certainly those nowadays um, so you, you can look at all those things and you can look at demographics um, which is a part which has been part of my interest of it as well so um, just because where you intersect um, finance and when, where you intersect technology uh, two domains that are uh, you know, very uh, like dominated by uh, men and also, um, you know, usually uh, white, at least here in North America, um, then, you know, you do have those demographics that, that come forward. Um, but, uh, but yeah, technically, it really, it can be anyone who has access to this information. Is there a risk then of like, uh, malicious folks getting in charge like i guess mining a bunch of crypto currency uh, like bitcoin and also it, has there ever been any like robberies or massive amounts of cryptocurrency that's just gone missing or was stolen oh yeah is that, that sort of thing happened? oh yeah definitely um so i mean when you're looking at, uh, there's a big example, um, and there's a, a, a great book actually. It's pretty informative when you look at that and when like cryptocurrency, and then uh, looking at a couple of other um, kind of like darker roots, if you will, in, in tech, but um, called uh, the dark net. Um, I quite liked it. Um, but it, you know, was talking about um, the birth of cryptocurrency and how in its uh, early days, it was used, you know, on um, the deep web and then also on the dark net. Um, but when you look at it, um, a lot of criminal activities have uh, taken, you know, uh, new technologies uh, to have that edge to not be caught by law enforcement. And then law enforcement does catch up and, you know, um, has actually been able to uh, solve a lot of crimes because, uh, because of the way that, for example, Bitcoin is is engineered, because of the way that it works, um, you don't get to there. You know that that digital ledger, um, that digital ledger shows if ever there's a block taken out, um, and if you have information to identify, you know who's getting a transaction, which you can do by other methods, um, kind of tracking that down a across devices then you can, you know, see how the money has changed. And part of part of Bitcoin, for example, is that uh, you can't ever um, meddle with that. You can't ever meddle with the uh, with the record of it without it being incredibly uh, obvious and without being able to to, you know, to see what actually happened. Um, so, you know, cutting edge technologies, including ways of transacting and moving money around, um, has have been used, you know, whether it's a Bitcoin or whatever else, 
um, by criminal activity. But just because it's been used by a certain group, uh, like we don't not use cash um, because criminals use it too. So I'm and speaking of cash, uh, tell me a little bit because I'm so I know that you have this um, this ledger, and in the ledger you can. I mean, basically, the transactions get recorded, and I'm assuming usually that as you add information to this ledger, you want to do it in such a way that, you know, you can read it and your friends can read it and the people who need to read it can read it, but other people probably not so much. Um, but how how does that turn to cash? Like, presumably, you you have to translate these uh, these transactions of of Bitcoin, or, or rather these Bitcoins, like these these Bitcoins, how do you translate those to cash? Like, yeah, um, the, the the best lowest costing or way to do it um, is the good old fashioned way. So just knowing someone who has Bitcoin and would want to sell you some. <laughs> um, okay. The, the, so you know if you're. Um, out for lunch and you know uh, buying dinner or something and that you know you want to split the bill with your friend and they give you the you know their part in in bitcoin and everyone's cool with that then that's a good way to do it um, obviously it's not the most practical way right you can't just track down your friend whenever you want a transaction um, but um, so there are exchanges uh, online um there's ATMs in certain places, um, you know, mostly major cities, uh, but you'd be surprised. Definitely look around. Um, but yeah, mostly exchanges. And uh, you do need to, you know, do your homework on which exchange. Um, and those exchange exchanges are uh, regulated usually by the country that they're in. Um, I haven't heard of any that aren't. Um, but in Canada here, like you have, they still have to, uh, know their customer, for example. So you'll need to uh, upload, you know, some personal ID. Um, and for that, um, you have to make sure that you trust that uh, entity with that personal ID, because obviously that's really valuable too. Yeah, that that's uh, quite, quite valuable. So, so I mean, like if, let's say I had some Bitcoin, um, so I know that I can use it to buy th services and goods online that I've mm -hmm. seen, yep. but, but let's say I need to pay my rent and my mm -hmm. landlady doesn't take Bitcoin. Mm -hmm, how, mm -hmm. how do I get the cash for the Bitcoin? How does that work? Uh, does that yes. work yet? <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah, you can uh, you can get it from ATMs. Um, so you can cash out uh, oh, you know, okay, Bitcoin. I see. Yeah, um, I mean, anytime that you're transferring from one uh, organization to another, um, you know, they're going to take a certain cut of that. Um, so mm -hmm. the uh, the utopia, if you will, that a lot of people have envisioned from um, from cryptocurrency or from Bitcoin uh, that would give a better service than what a lot of the banks are doing um, isn't real at this this point. Not not in terms of right. practicality. Um, but, uh, I mean, there's certainly ways to make it real for yourself, but you have to be, it's not, you know, the best user experience. It's not, um, uh, you have to, you have to look for the diehard fans of it, um, who will tell you that it's so worth it. <laughs> um, but it depends what you value, right? Some people really, really value, 
um, that personal independence there um, and really, you know, believe in that system, um, regardless of the, the price too, right? Um, so that whole, I don't know if you were following at all, but like the, the whole um, crazy um, like bear market that has just happened or that, that is right, happening right, right now. And then also the bull market that, you know, was going on that brought a whole lot of uh, attention to it. Um, so regardless of all that, um, the principles stay as principles of, you know, security, um, uh, privacy, um, and decentralization. So still things that regardless of price, people um, believe in at all, uh, uh, believe in a lot um, and uh, are still really valid concerns nowadays. How did you get into this Bitcoin thing? Like uh, you personally, like what what drew you to it and, and when did you get into it? Uh, yeah, well, I was looking for um, I was looking for payment methods. So um, I was looking for I was pretty interested in just like the concept of value in general. Um, so mm -hmm. I come from a, a pretty feminist background, as you know. Um, and, uh, I had worked in, uh, a tech company in Montreal, uh, that does adult content on the web. And so, mm -hmm. you know, through that got into, uh, feminist porn. Um, so got into that community and, uh, that's another and, episode on the yeah. podcast, which I'll, I'll plug <laughs> yeah. here. I'll put a yeah, link exactly. in the show notes. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. You know, got into that and uh, saw how uh, restricted access to the usual economy for a lot of, uh, you know, uh, porn industry professionals or uh, also for any type of sex workers um, actually marginalizes yes. them more and makes them yep. more, more vulnerable. So um, more dangerous. And, yeah, exactly. And uh, unlike, for example, the cannabis industry, which is getting opened up right now, which, you know, people have looked at the research and are starting to see that the uh, war on drugs uh, was a little disproportionate and also un you know, blatantly uninformed. Um, I haven't seen quite the same thing go on for uh, the sex industry. I think mostly because people conflate uh, sex industry with human trafficking, and these things are mm. not the same at all. And, uh, you know, legalization and uh, decriminalization uh, of anything that has to do with sexuality and uh, the sex industry actually helps those people who are in it. Um, so anyways, I was looking for um, ways that uh, payments to, you know, the sex industry could be uh, facilitated, could be unblocked uh, for those people. And... Um, and yeah, and yeah, and I thought, well, you know, maybe cryptocurrency is part of it, um, and that's how I first got into it. That's really that's really cool, and and the cannabis thing popped right into my head. But I, you know, because mm -hmm. for the longest time, uh, they weren't able to do anything because they couldn't even open bank accounts. Like no one yeah, would exactly. let them even open a bank account. Even even the legal dispensaries uh, couldn't do anything. Yeah, so, exactly. And and you know. Uh, other thoughts come to my mind too, because um, let's say you've got uh, countries with that that might have low natural resources. Um, they could turn around and potentially use uh, cryptocurrency, maybe as well. Uh, they could cryptocurrency mine or something like that. Um, 
perhaps uh, as as well. Um, but, but I mean, back to the sex workers thing. I mean, is is that like now a a, a thing? Like, um, so let's say you're a sex worker, you can go ahead and you can set up, you can collect um, payment using cryptocurrency, using Bitcoin, or and by the way, there's other ones too, right? There's Ethereum or something. There's like a bunch of other ones out there too. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you can just basically, that way, I mean, you're, you're not having to deal through the regular banks and the regular PayPals out there and all that jazz that shut you down, right? They don't do it. Yeah, it's actually one of the few um, industries in which um, the it's actually more of an advantage or it's actually lower risk in certain ways if you know what you're doing, right? There's not to forget there's a barrier to entry. You have to know what you're doing when you're getting into it and when you're getting into mm -hmm. cryptocurrency. Um, so, you know, it's not, and for that, you know, you need a certain amount of time, um, you need a certain amount of access. So, you, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the, uh, street level, uh, sex workers who are likely going to find this to be the most practical way of doing things. So there, you know, there's that barrier to entry. Um, but in terms of, you know, getting shut down by other payment systems, especially, with in the states right now, um, the SESTA FOSTA, um, you know, laws right. are, that have gone on, um, that's further shut them out of uh, traditional, uh, more you know, mainstream um, ways of accepting payment and hosting their sites, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, we want more people want more access to these systems, not not less. Um, and it's yeah, it's one of the, the, the few industries in my eyes that um, have been do, you know, it where even though there still are all of those hurdles uh, to using cryptocurrency, it's actually better sometimes than than what they're currently using. And uh, I mean, when it comes to these, I mean, when it comes to these workers, uh, oh, I lost my track of thought. Damn it. This always yeah, happens well. to me. I was going to say something <laughs> yeah. about these workers because yeah. oh, it'll come back to me. Um, let me think here. There well, um, is. Like for, they, for. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, for in uh, Vancouver, for example, so there's an organization um, called PACE, so PACE Society, um, and they are a center for, with, and by sex workers, um, and they've been doing some tremendous things about, um, you know, the well-being in general uh, of sex workers and have been quite a, a vocal advocate for, um, you know, this section of vulnerable people. Um and uh, yeah, they've been fairly interested in, you know, seeing how uh, crypto could be an answer. Um, payment, you know, is definitely a, a concern in general. Um, and their approach is harm minimization, um, and harm reduction in the same way as people talk about it, uh, you know, in addiction, um, harm minimization, harm reduction. Um, you can't ever you know, say that there will be no trafficking ever, but you can look at what minimizes trafficking. You can look at what makes it so that people feel safer coming forward uh, if they themselves 
are trafficked and, and, you know, get around to coming forward, um, or if they know that someone's being trafficked, um, you know, what, what are things that will actually help out with the situation? Yeah, actually, and that's exactly what I was going to bring up is, um, yeah. you know, public advocacy groups, like, are there groups out there? Because it seems to me like, uh, this information, like the, the, um, expertise required to transition to a blockchain like based uh, a cryptocurrency based um uh business model mm-hmm. uh would i mean it's information that could be centralized in some sort of group advocacy group and then they would have the uh, sex workers uh you know uh well-being in mind while they go ahead and help them uh um, yeah definitely to do this yeah, there's um there's an Ethereum based project um called Spanx Chain, and they've been doing uh some good work with uh cam workers. So uh when and you know it's 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 a token uh, kind of like the tokens that you would have, for example, on uh Chatterbait or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And you know that's how uh the cam models earn, um, and it does end up being. Uh, you know, it doesn't end up having its benefits compared to their traditional uh, ways of, of earning. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an option. It's another option in a, a domain where there's so little options and where options are reduced under the guise of, you know, uh, of those people having less harm, but it's incredibly um, uninformed. None of the arguments that have been put forward for SESTA-FOSTA, for example, um, actually reduce harm. Um, it's it's a uh, yeah, it's just a, a smoke and mirrors, really. It's interesting because um, also on the show, I, I did an interview with um, a member of uh, Femin, and uh, I actually did two interviews. So the second interview is coming out later on and she's very much against porn and she's very much against this uh, idea because she says it it encourages things like trafficking. So it's interesting to get both sides of the argument. Uh, yeah, definitely. You have uh, feminists, but I mean, just because someone is a feminist doesn't necessarily mean that they agree about every oh, no. single uh, yeah, thing. Def- definitely not. Not at all. Um, and there seems to be more of a gap between um like the generation of like millennials and further and uh you know uh, other waves of of feminism regarding uh sex work specifically um so it seems to be and i don't know you know of, of what generation this person is but um it seems to be that the um the arguments that i've often heard um against sex work um and against the legalization of sex work uh is that you know if 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 it's not um, criminalized, if it's not, uh, you know, if it's if it's legal, um, then it will send the message that uh, our society thinks that this is okay. Um, it'll also send the message that um, you know all women are only to be valued for their bodies um, as sex objects, and that this is generally, you know, that these workers are causing some kind of a regression regression. Uh, in all of women's rights. And this is just false. Um, 
so it's not because uh, something is legalized that more people do it. Um, and there has been, you know, some, some research on that. Um, and then also, um, you know, because a certain group of people is choosing to do something, um, the emphasis is actually on consent. Um, so it's not on, you know, who has sex and if, you know, these people have, uh, you know, more sex that is paid, then that will be required of all women. Um, the emphasis should be on uh, who consents to it and then, you know, having it go on then and um, value the consent of uh, other people as well. That seems to be more inclusive to me of different genders and different, you know, uh, men, you know, traditional men, traditional women, whatever in between, like whatever, like it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. you consider yourself, you identify as, uh, as long as uh, there's consent involved. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, that can also be applied to communities such as kink. Um, so for which there's been a lot of, um, you know, ghosts and mirrors uh, before too. So, um, you know, people saying, oh, well, if uh, they're not understanding that it was uh, consensual or I mean, I'm sure that there's some kink that's gone on that hasn't been consensual. But um, the premise was that it was two consenting adults um, with safe words, protocols in, in, you know, in place, stuff like that. Um, and so this is the same thing. Um, if it happens between two consenting adults, um, yes, there is a you know, difference in some people's uh, economic status and such. Um, but I think we're at a place where um, that can be looked at and you know, take, a, take a harm reduction approach instead of uh, outright, outright banning and uh, providing less uh, options. So you are part of this group, um, Solar Punk, I think, and you guys have uh, a website, dogcon.fun. Dog is in the uh, Japanese meme, dog. Um, can you explain a bit about that? You guys have your own currency, too? You say do dog coin? Oh, um, so so I'm not um, of the main organizing group of that, but um, when uh, when we were talking earlier, I, I sent you some of that information because I think it's awesome that it's going on in Vancouver. Um, okay. So uh, there is a type of cryptocurrency uh, called Dogecoin, and Doge. Uh, yeah, the Doge. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Doge was invented kind of as a joke, like a one-off joke. The the creator of it, like it's kind of gone out of his hands, and he's just watching it happen. Um, so, but it's it's based around so uh, this community in Vancouver, which is really awesome, called Decentral, um, is really around the idea of decentralization um, and just you know building a, a better future in general and. Um, is often around the principles of um, solar punk as well. Um, so looking to uh, build more, you know, independent communities, uh, solar powered, uh, you know, communities, all that type of stuff. But uh, but yeah, Doge Doge represents um, to you know this community and like to to, to me really uh, represents that we are all just human and trying to have fun 
um, so that it's not just all about monetary gain, for example, um, that what we all strive for is connection. Um, and it's kind of a um, uh, like surrealist group, if you will, um, or more, more absurdist. So, you know, what will make someone laugh? What will um, make people happy? Uh, having a bigger value than um, just a dollar bill. Yeah, I have here Dogecon Vancouver 2018 is a, I guess, 2018, maybe. Okay, maybe that 2019 is coming up soon is a weekend celebration of the social layer of crypto culture embracing memes and tweet storms as the current pinnacle of human art and attention. Using the year of the doge as a launch pad will engage in a range of precipitatory experiences from carefree and whimsical partying to deep dialectical dialogues. Yeah, uh, so there's, there's it, often division amongst um, the crypto communities um, because, you know, everyone's kind of advocating for their own uh, coin or advocating for their own oh, systems. And it's a oh. hugely, it's a hugely opinionated space. And so Doge kind of goes, you know, above that and just says, hey, like, we're all just still silly people who love to wiggle about. Um, so to not be afraid to, um, you know, be friends for friendship's sake. And uh, the sponsors are interesting here. We have like PreSearch, Ubic, RightMesh, uh, all these uh, sort of techie type things. The yeah. Crypto Kitties. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. Base this looks like Vancouver. a geeky, super fun time. And it's, uh, I mean, the Doge thing is awesome. I'm, I'm kind of ashamed that I didn't know how to pronounce it correctly. I knew what it was, but I, I never actually heard anyone pronounce it online or, or rather in, in, in regular speech. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this looks absolutely really cool. And this is this this is coming up, I guess. The Doge art on this website is great too. This yeah, is coming yeah. up like later on this summer, I guess, right? No, it was just going on uh, last year, but um, oh. I'm sure that there'll be other Doji projects. Um, there's the decentralized dance party kind of based out of um, based out of Decentral as well. So um, by, uh, by its creator, Gary. So um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff coming out of that center. So I'm pretty happy to, to be hanging around every now and then. So basically... Uh, go ahead and check them out. And also, uh, now you're part of a sort of a, a cyber um, high-tech feminist group as well, right? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're um, a collective, uh, mostly of artists um, and technologists called uh, Future Witch. And what we do is that we, well, we're uh, planning a fundraiser in April uh, for an organization called Open Privacy. Also, definitely check them out. Open Privacy is uh, a fantastic uh, nonprofit um, organization that is building, uh, you know, safer, more secure um, types of uh, communication devices and uh, programs for uh, especially marginalized communities. 
Um, and, uh, and yeah, and we, as future witches, we look at, um, you know, communities like transhumanist, um, and we look at all of those forming futures in a, a more feminist inclusive way. Definitely. So I'm going to be putting links up in the show notes for all of this stuff. I have a feeling that I might try to get you on the show again sometime to talk about some of this stuff. I know I had um, transhumanist guest on the show before. Yeah. And yeah. I find it completely, completely fascinating. It's a whole culture. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We take a lot uh, of uh, xenofeminist uh, principles and apply them as well. So, especially that, um, you know, nature in itself should never be used as a way to, as an excuse to oppress. So, uh, it's often historically been taken as, um, you know, what is natural slash not slash not natural. Um, just uh, looking at, you know, what has historically been the case and possible and to excuse that there's no way of evolving to something better if it means a better future for more individuals. So we, we take that and we say, hey, like this is, uh, there's no reason to stop at what is natural. And in fact, um, so much of what we see around us is supernatural. And I just learned another word, xenofeminism. And yeah. uh, I'm Googling it right now. So I'm definitely going to have to look into this as well. Uh, listen, Claire, I think we're all up for time today, but I, I want to thank you for coming back on the show and talking a little bit about cryptocurrency and, uh, you know, talking about the future witches and uh, talking about uh, Doge as well. It's been yeah. cool. Yeah, no, thanks for thanks for having me. This was super fun. It's always a pleasure to to listen to your podcast and see, you know, what else everyone is up to, too. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Claire. Um, I didn't fill you in earlier. Um, I might sound out of breath occasionally with these recordings, and that's just because I'm on the way to the metro station. That's, uh, that's Montreal's uh, subway system. So uh, I'm going to be here talking to myself, people staring at me. You'll be hearing cars and trains and planes and things as I'm on the street podcaster on the street that's sean mcguire sharing a slice in downtown montreal or well in this case northern montreal and uh yeah this is just keeping it real um i found that i have a lot of time on my hands um walking to and from places it keeps me fit and uh, also i tend to be able to think much clearer when i'm walking around than when I'm sitting in a room staring at a microphone all by myself. Not so much when I'm talking to guests, but when I'm all alone by myself, it can be a challenge. So as always, I'd like to thank the Fantastic Plastics for the theme music at the front. And uh, they have a new album coming up, so I encourage you to listen to that. I'm going to end off this episode with a single from that upcoming album called Disintegration. Do check the link in the show notes. It'll allow you to go and watch their amazing music video for the show as well. And um, yeah, thank you everybody for sticking in with me. Remember the Patreon account. 
Um, hopefully I'll have that back up soon. I, I actually removed the Patreon because I got so much in the doldrums. So uh, I'll put it back. Maybe someone will uh, play it there. Maybe someone will support the show. Um, that said, uh, thanks so much for listening and do come back next week. I do have new interviews on the way. Thanks so much for listening and take care.